Mariam Rose Owen is um, wasn't wasn't a student, um, and is the curator is the curator responsible uh, for the Arab World collections at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. She specialises she specialises in the Islamic Mediterranean, especially Al Andalus and the Maghreb, and she com she studied here. Uh, and completed a doctorate um, at Oxford in the Oriental Institute in 2002. She is one of the series editors of the new real book series, Arts and Archaeology of the Islamic World, and uh, heads and leads on several projects at the VNA. Thank so you. over to you, Mariam. Thank you. Okay, can you hear me? Um, well, I'd like to add my own thanks to Marina for her persuasiveness in um, being here today. And, um, and this has been a wonderful celebration. It's been so lovely to think back 20 years to um, 1999 to 2000, which is um, when the Deosma uh, studentship was one of two scholarships that allowed me to spend that academic year in Madrid. Um, so you don't have to look at that. You can look at this while I'm talking. So during that year, my institutional homes were the Instituto and the Departamento de Estudios Árabes at the uh, Consejo Superior de Investigaciones Científicas, BESIC, at that time still based in downtown Madrid near the Prado. It was the second year of my DPhil in Islamic art and archaeology, and I'd found that much of the secondary literature that I needed to read was not available in Oxford libraries, and in the days before academia, EDU, and all of these wonderful online resources we have today, I needed to go to Madrid um, and spend my time in the libraries there. So these um, libraries provided the opportunity to read as much as possible in my subject area, and the museum collections provided um, access to the primary material of objects and archaeological finds. In Madrid, I had the Museo Arqueológico Nacional and the wonderful collections of the Instituto, and I could easily take the train to the regional archaeological museums in Cordoba and Seville. So I didn't come from a Spanish studies background, so I had a combination of schoolgirl French and Latin from an undergraduate degree in Literae Humaniores, which meant that I could read Spanish pretty well, but when I arrived in Madrid, my spoken Spanish was minimal, um, and that was probably my major challenge that year in, in Spain. <laughs> Um, at Pesic, everybody wanted to practice their English with me, um, but my landlady had no English and no French, so I had to learn enough Spanish to, to get by. Um, I, I probably would have got so much more out of that, that year at the Instituto if my Spanish had been better at the start. But it was an amazing experience. Um, the people, as has been said many times today, the people were friendly and welcoming. I could browse books on open shelves in the little library, and spend as much time as I like looking at objects in the collection. So the focus of my research when I arrived in Madrid um, was the amazing group of ivory objects made at Cordoba and later at Cuenca during the Islamic period, particularly from the mid-10th uh, to the mid-11th centuries. And one of the ivories is in the Instituto's collection. So these ivories are not only beautiful objects, but their Arabic inscriptions also convey significant information about their patrons and production. The Instituto's ivory is one of two, which contain the date equivalent to 966 AD, and tell us that they were made at Medina de Zahra, the Palatine city of the Umayyad Caliphs, just a few kilometers outside Cordoba. The city was founded um, as a visual manifestation of the caliph's legitimate role as rulers over the global Muslim community 
and the luxury objects made in their ateliers also bore these messages, not least because they were frequently given as gifts. The inscription on the Instituto's casket also tells us that, that it was made for Walada, who was the daughter of the Umayyad Caliph, Abdurrahman III, and the sister to his heir, Al-Hakam II. So you couldn't get closer to the Umayyad court. The Instituto's uh, ivory casket is a tiny object. Um, I've put the dimensions up there. Its height is four and a half centimetres, its width is eight and a half centimetres. So you can hold it in the hand. And I'll never forget the time when the Instituto staff brought me that little casket to study at my desk in the library. Um, that was a truly special experience and literally touching the history I was studying. Apart from that ivory casket, um, which I already knew about and had been the main reason for my application to the De Osma studentship, I had no expectations of what um, I would find in the Instituto's collection. So it was a truly magical experience to discover such a rich collection of the Islamic arts from Spain. Um, the textiles collection is particularly significant and has been extensively published by Cristina Parte Arroyo, who's here. But I also found other wonderful ivories from later and less studied periods, and we saw a much better picture of this this morning, um, and an extremely important collection of lusty ceramics that's been mentioned a few times. Um, which include, again, we saw a picture of this this morning, the only datable Nasrud tile. Um, I was able to wander at will through these galleries during my days at the Instituto. And this collection really helped me to understand the wider panorama of the Islamic arts of Spain. And the objects I met here have remained important references and tools for me in my career ever since. During my year in Madrid, I, I changed my DPhil subject um, the objects I was finding in these collections led me towards a group of material that could be associated with the Regency government at the turn of the 10th and 11th centuries. So I narrowed down my focus to the cultural and artistic patronage of the regent Al-Mansur, Al-Mantor, um, and his two sons, but I widened my field of reference to encompass history, literature, archaeology, architecture, epigraphy, and art history, the ivory still featured, um, as did a range of other media, especially carvings in stone and marble, and some textiles. As I was coming to the end of my thesis, uh, the new director of the Victorian Albert Museum, the UK's national collection for decorative arts and design, was restructuring the museum's curatorial departments and creating for the first time a dedicated team of curators specialising in Islamic art from the Middle East. Um, and I was lucky enough to join that team in 2002. And in doing so, I became the curator of one of the most significant collections of Islamic Spanish art outside of Spain. I mean, the Hispanic Society collection, Archer Huntington's collection, has been mentioned a couple of times today. But within the UK, and at a much earlier period, the South Kensington Museum was collecting from, from Spain. So the V&A was established um, in the aftermath of the Great Exhibition in 1851, which was the world's first international exhibition. Um, and a small team of educators and ideologues who had been involved in the Great Exhibition comprised a core committee to form what was initially called the Museum of Ornamental Art and eventually grew into the V&A. One of these men was Owen Jones, the architect, um, who in the 1830s, alongside his friend Jules Goury, had spent six months in the Alhambra in Granada, the palaces built in the 14th century by the Nasrids, um, the last Islamic dynasty to rule in Spain. 
Jones and Guri studied and documented every detail and developed a theory of primary polychromy in architecture that ultimately was highly influential on the Alhambra's restorers. Jones published their drawings in his monumental chromolithographic volumes, plans, elevations, sections, and details of the Alhambra. His lasting influence on the V&A at the time of its formation and on the curators and art advisors who later sought out the objects for the museum to acquire ultimately led to one of the most significant collections of Spanish decorative arts outside of Spain and its holdings of Islamic art and of medieval art with strong Islamic influences, what we might call Mudeja, are particularly strong. So the V&A has seven of the Cordoban ivories out of the 30 that survive it across all international collections and an enormous collection of ceramics, including um, another of the most important early uh, luster dishes. So this is an early 15th century um, dish made in Malaga, which was the home of the Nasrid Luster Pottery Producing Centre. And what's interesting about this dish is that it features a, the kind of sailing ship that was just starting to sail across the Atlantic, and the sailing ship bears the Portuguese coat of arms. So this is um, probably a commission. I mean, our, we have no documentation about it, but the, the, um, we can speculate that it might have been a Portuguese maritime merchant that was commissioning this extremely splendid um, luster dish, which is also about this big. So in 2010, um, I used these collections to write a book on the history of Islamic arts from Spain for the interested non-specialist, there being so little written in English on this subject. Um, in 2011 to 12, I was able to co-curate an exhibition on the significance of Owen Jones to the discovery and understanding of the Alhambra palaces and their ornament and the design craze for the Alhambra style that this inspired. And among other venues, this travel to the Alhambra itself, which was a, an amazing experience to be part of. My research on the V&A's collections has constantly drawn on my knowledge of the collections at the Instituto and I found many points of connection between them. Um, among the textiles, a medium which unfortunately can all too easily be cut up and dispersed across collections, uh, the V&A has a small hoard of 10th century coins and jewellery which also has parallels in the Instituto, um, and the ceramics collections I've been researching recently, the collecting history of Hispano Moresque at the um, Victoria and Albert Museum, and this is starting to bring me back again to think about Deosma. I've even come across Deosma in our own collections. Um, so in 1912, he gave this little group of sherds, which he himself had excavated in the waste tips of Manises. They're all examples of 15th century um, ceramic production in the Valencia region. And these ones are particularly interesting. These ones down in the corner here. So you can see the archaeologist's trowel has just gone straight through that one. But um, these are probably, these have been decorated in underglazed blue and then fired, and they were probably blanks that would have had luster decoration added to them in a second firing. Um, so there's some quite um, interesting examples of what was being produced in Manises. Uh, the museum's then curator of uh, ceramics, Albert van der Putt, acknowledged De Osma as the principal connoisseur of Hispano Moresque pottery. So I've also used material from the Instituto's archives in various articles I've published. Though collecting history was not really something I was interested in when I held the, uh, the Osma studentship, 
I gathered what information I could from the archive on the acquisition of the ivory cast, as I mentioned earlier, and of others that Deosma clearly knew about. Um, and then I was able to use that information when I published an article um, in 2005 on the ivory forgeries that were produced by a carver in uh, Valencia in the late 19th, early 20th centuries. So one of these had been offered to Deosma and he'd written an extensive report about it, which then proved extremely helpful for my, for my research. I keep returning uh, to the ivories. I can't, can't get away from them. Um, and this article I co-authored uh, in 2015 with Blair Anderson examined the ivories made for women at the Umayyad court, which led me back to think again about the Instituto's ivory casket, probably for the first time since that year in Madrid. And this seems like a good time to be reminiscing on this period in my life because I'm at the moment engaged um, in finally, after many false starts, preparing what started out as that defil to, to be published as a book finally, and I'm hoping to submit it at the end of this month. Um, I've been back to the Instituto several times to do research in the collections and the archives. I've introduced many colleagues to its charms over the years but actually, uh, the celebration is making me want to return right now. <laughs> um, I'm exceedingly grateful to have been a recipient of the Deosma studentship. And I think um, my career to date has shown that the experiences there 20 years ago were important, formative, and continue to bear fruit. And I hope the studentship was able to continue for another 100 years and give many more students the um, access to this fantastic collection and library and the unique experiences that we've all benefited from. So thank you, Don Guillermo. <laughs> To finish off the, the, this Osma Centenary Symposium, sort of with a few um, thoughts on where we go from here the next hundred years. Um, so Carol, as I said, is a Master of St. Cross College. Um, she was Chief Executive of the National Heritage Memorial Fund and Heritage Lottery Fund um, for many years. Um, and she was awarded the CBE uh, for services to conservation in 2011. Senia um, Elsasse. Yes, I said it. Um, well, uh, so she was the Osma student in 2009 to uh, 2010. She graduated uh, in, in English and Spanish and then went on to work for, with Telefonica. She's a cultural consultant. 
um, now based in Berlin. So she's flown over from Berlin to be with us today. And uh, Miriam Ali de Otara, she's she was um, the Osmond student in two thousand twice, actually so twice lucky. Um, in the early 2000s and majored in Islamic art um, and did a deep and NEMPHIL and DPHIL here at Oxford in anthropology and museum ethnography and uh, works on the value of textile culture in Muslim and non-Muslim context. So um, th the idea sort of bring um, them together to uh, think about with you as well on where we go from here. So, Speak to the sponge. We never met before. <laughs> this is going to be extremely exciting. Is this working? Yes, I hope. No. I think yes. Okay. This is going to be extremely exciting as this is completely unscripted. So um, we will talk amongst ourselves in a highly spontaneous way. Um, but if I can start off. Um, just with a, a few thoughts about some of the things we've heard already today, and I think we're going to be here all the way through. But it seems to me that one of the um, outstanding features of the Osmond students is um, a very low-key and uh, uh, humorous description of the contributions that they've made to their careers subsequent to their studentship. Um, starting off this morning with a... Um, probably the most disarming um, explanation of what, what had been done or not done during the studentship, which I think I overheard, which was wonderful. Um, but all the way through, what I think we've heard is the, some of the extra and unexpected things that people have found from their studentships, going off to, with the view that they were going to look at one thing and discovering so much more as a result of, of the opportunity um, to live and work in Madrid. And that, I think, is perhaps one of the things that we might hope for for any studentship in the next hundred years or the next ten years, that it's not so pinned down to one particular thing that it prevents that opportunity for spontaneous discovery and additional things that could be found. Um, I wondered uh, how much the more you felt that you had gone off in different directions as a result of your studentships and how much it was exactly what you expected. Oh, um, so I, well, to give you a bit of context, um, I work for Muni now, better? Yes. Um, <laughs> I was, um, and my undergraduate uh, degree, and I had was specializing in a module um, of history and culture of Al-Andalus, which I was inspired um, to look at through my own multicultural heritage and the travels I'd done in, um, in Rajasthan, kind of looking at the, the, the history there of, of cultural interminglings um, of different faiths. And um, I, I had begun my studying my module in, in Oxford and was sort of halfway through it when I went to the Institute. And I remember it being an interesting time in that I I, I had quite sort of detailed ideas about what I thought I was going to do. Um, I was going to sort of look at poetry, I was going to look at um, uh, King Alfonso X, and I was going to look at um, uh, kind of Islamic and, and, and Christian kind of the, the intermingling of, of, of those two, two cultures at that time. Um, and I remember being it, sort of 
gloriously surprised by, um, Christina mentioned this, um, this huge catalogue that I discovered on an exhibition of, of King Alfonso X with all of this um, details and art and, and, and sort of material that I got really involved with. Um, but in fact, so involved with it that I couldn't really use it when I got back to Oxford because actually the, the, um, the, what my undergraduate module sort of demanded of me was quite frankly not just not that level of engagement and didn't give me the, the scope to actually then um, pursue it. Um, but you know, it, that I think it, it left me with so much more um, than what that kind of end of year exam got out of it, as it were. And I think that that is a really marvelous thing. And I, and I, and the, the, I think what I thought was really wonderful about it was the, the freedom that you had to, to do that and, and to just gain intellectual enrichment. Um, when I think about um, uh, how in increasingly competitive educational environments, um, education becomes so much more sort of streamlined and, and boxed in and about how you can produce things for exams uh, and something that I think that um, the studentship was very good at doing was um, giving you the freedom to really in indulge in intellectual pursuit for the, for the sake of it and for the joy. my experience, I mean, it has a lot of similarities to yours, but with a twist, because I did know what I was going to pursue when I, before I applied, because I had the good fortune to meet uh, Juan Sosaya in a, in a conference, and then um, he knew that I was um, doing textiles, and he already pointed to me. And I think at that time I was neighbors with Mariam in Oxford, so you already mentioned to me this. And so I knew what I was going to, to see, more or less, um, but I, I, I was also pleasantly surprised, um, not only of the quality of the materials, but of the high quality of the personnel of the institution. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really fortunate to have it twice. Initially, I applied to study, I was doing North African textiles and in anthropology, but I had a historiographical um, mm -hmm. context. So I came initially to study the, the famous, I, I, I hope that many people have heard, mm -hmm. I assume that many people have heard about these Pendón de las Navas de Tolosa. And um, being from Burgos myself, I was already very familiar with that. But um, what it was, it was not really a surprise, but it was a really nice engagement to see that Guillermo de Osma bought pieces of the uh, banner of Las Navas, the so-called banner of the Navas de Tolosa, when it was being restored, and then he donated to the um, Armeria Real no? in, the, in the Royal Palace. But, um, so I was not extreme, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I was not extremely surprised, but to see you know, the quality of the, of the pieces in the, in the institution and um, the passion of, the, um, of Christina Parquerroyo, the curator, and you know, the, the kindness 
and you know these a, a lot of of the things that um, Dr. Alan Foray was mentioning. I had a lot of um, I was I could mirror myself in in this being helped, you know, with not only the kindness but you know um, Christina to t come to the library and with a book and um, have you seen this? It might be interesting to you. So this level of you know this this um, warmth and you know this human high human caliber. Um, I think has been mentioned by many of the speakers today and is one of the things that I think it touches us all. Mm -hmm. So it's not only the, 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 the high ca uh, caliber of, of the object and as Mariam mentioned, you know, it was so, um, you are touching history, you know. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, I was lucky that at the same time I was my first, um, the Osma studentship, the pendant, the, the banner of the Navasetolosa was being restored at the National Palace, so I was able to touch it myself. You know, I was, I was able to, and this, I was also, I mean, am I being, I, I was allowed to, to do so because I had this connection with, with the Instituto de Valencia de Don Juan, the, the Juan. I went to the Royal Palace, I could see the conservator or to the curator, uh, Lourdes de Luis. And this was, you know, a historical, a historical moment for, for me because, you know, you're studying an object um, which is, you know, is, is, is um, paradigmatic, you know, and it's so metaphorical in the, in the history of Spain, like Las Navas de Tolosa, which is being paraded every year in the parade of El Curpillos as, you know, the witness of the um, the winner of the from from you know the Almohads, mm -hmm. so being able to be there at the same time it was restored thanks to being in Madrid because the the Osma studentship has been I mean a, a highlight in in of course in my research in my in my doctoral years, and um, another thing that I you know thinking in retrospective because I think one of these the 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 fortunes of being involved in, or being invited, and thank you, um, Marina and all the team that has been organizing this event, is that it makes you think back and, you know, in retrospective, and, and you suddenly realize of many things that have been inside you without being expressed. And I, I you know, Marina asked me, um, so how did, you know, how did, you know, did it change your life or which influence did it have on you? And by talking to her, I realized um, how much it had um, an impact on me because I was studying um, textiles from an anthropological point of view and it was North African and Andalusi, but being in the, in the institution and looking at the collection and being able, you know, fortunate to have Christina's, you know, generous, um, knowledge, it did, it did change my, my subject of study and, and I, I looked at not only military banners and as North African, but then I embarked fully um, after doing my PhD on medieval textiles and the relationship between Muslim and non-Muslims uh, having textiles, having textiles in the vicinity, I mean the relationship and the materiality of, of this. And, and I'm happy to say that, um, well, I did mine <coughs> more than 10 years ago, and, and since then we have forged um, um, 
a friendship and a professional relationship. And Christina and me are working on uh, publishing the, the textile collection of the Instituto Valenciano Gonzalo. And so I would like to, you know, I was taking notes about um, many of the comments of um, the, the illustrious and, and participants and speakers. And, but um, um, one of the things that Marina asked us is, is how do we see the future of um, the institution and the Osman studentship? And Mariam, I think you said, I wish the studentship will go on hundred years more, right? So we, I mean, of course, this is something that um, I guess is, is related to the um, financial provision of, of, of the, the outfit and the endowment. But uh, one of the things that I w we would like to probably, you know, um, spontaneously discuss is ideas for the future. And I don't know about you, but being here and listening to the speakers and the contributors, um, I would like to launch this idea of, um, you know, it has been amazing to be part of, of this studentship and not being, you know, not, not being meeting with any of our predecessors and, you know, not knowing anything about anybody. So when you showed the list and you told us that there were 80 alumni, I was, kind of, I was really taken aback. And I would like to launch the idea of somehow create a team you know, to study the possibility and to really work so that we can create um, that this is, a, you know, this is the beginning of a, of a long friendship, as they say in Casablanca. <laughs> and, and then maybe organize a symposium where the alumni, the, the OSMA students, or the, the OSMA um, um, awardees, meet and talk about the academic, um, academic papers and academic careers and, the, you know, in, in an academic fashion, as well as, you know, the relationship to, because I thought it was as fascinating as the academic um, work that we do, is the, is the personal histories that, that uh, surround us all. Um, so this is one of the ideas. I don't want to take the, the floor very much, but the other thing would be to, to create a database where you know we are all, um, I mean, either connectable or you know at least to be in the to have a possibility of being connected, so we can have a database um, as we do have an alumni of the database that you can connect and see who is doing what, or maybe you have the necessity or you know the um, the wish to connect to somebody who is doing something uh, that um, relates to your work. So having a database, and probably we'll have to work out the details if it's, you know, through the vice chancellor of Oxford, through, you know, the Institute of Valencia Don Juan, or just creating a group of alumni that we are maybe able to give a hand in, in doing that, but, you know, to be able to be visible and knowable and contactable. And, um, and now I pass the ball. <laughs> what would you like to see? Um, I actually second that. I mean, I think what, one thing that I do um, remember quite distinctly about my, my experience with the studentship was that I felt like it happened, that it happened very much in solitude. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 was, I was in Argentina at the time when this email came through about the studentship that I'd never heard anything about. And 
um, like what one of the other speakers today, I sort of saw, ah, that they're offering me a lot of money to, to go to Spain, <laughs> which I kind of wanted to do anyway, and it's totally like in line with the thing I'm studying, and what a great opportunity, so I should definitely apply for that. But it didn't, um, you know, I, I guess there also were quite a few different travel grants um, and opportunities floating around at the university at the time, and to me it didn't necessarily seem that different to any of those things. I didn't really have any idea what I was getting myself into, actually, when I applied, um, and was then, you know, kind of wonderfully surprised by, by what I what I then was awarded and, and kind of the, the privilege of being able to study at the institute was was amazing. Um, but I, I it could have been so much more amazing um, had had I had had I been part had I maybe had the opportunity <coughs> to connect with um, other students who'd had it before, or you know I also would have been very happy to give advice to students who would then go on to have it. Um, and I, I I think this this network idea is something incredibly powerful and, and I think especially in um, in an age where and again this came up earlier today where you know perhaps in the past where things were not digitized um, a big thing was even getting access to the material and you actually had to go to Spain to see it um, whereas today um, <coughs> with so much thing, so many things being digitized which is a wonderful thing um, and increases access I think it, it also we have this information overload sort of issue where you know how do I find the things that are most relevant to me um, and how do I how do I sift through all of this stuff um, when actually I, I, I can I can by one means or another sort of get anything um, and I think that the way that we do that is through conversations and through connections with people who who have that kind of human perspective through through their own um, courses of study um, so, I, so that's kind of one um, kind of academic or sort of study angle to it, but I think the other angle is just the the the, the human aspect, the, the the creation of the network, the what what conversations, what kind of opportunities will come out of it, um, and um, how can you sort of make the most of your time here? Thank you. Um, one of the things I've discovered about any event that Marina organises is that there's far too much to talk about, however much time is assigned to the discussion. Um, and I'm very conscious that at some point, um, the friends in the Bodleian are going to suggest mm. that we should wind mm. our way towards the reception this evening. But I wonder if, have we got two very quick questions for our current panel? And then I'm going to do something very rash and try to wind up with a thought. Anyone got a particular question? It's not obligatory to ask a question, so if it's just too much, you don't have to ask. Yeah. Please.
positive feedback of messages or lack of uh, information. Um, the money was very important, so the Navy need not only to go to Madrid, but to go back to Madrid and to travel within Spain. Um, and um, when I was in Madrid, I ended up translating or meeting and translating some fragments from a young writer called Javier, Javier Marias, mm -hmm. who at the time, yeah. I don't believe, had been at all translated into English and was completely unknown in England. Um, possibly as a result of partly translating his autobiography, meeting the editor, who came in the next door in Tchaikovsky and wrote a uh, very successful novel about how weird the people were in the Spanish um, in the Spanish society. Um, and those who read it will recognize perhaps some of the interesting people who were there. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it was a great idea to, to form some sort of network where you can exchange um, experiences which in themselves probably could constitute a fragmentary novel. Um, <laughs> And um, it's been, yeah, it's, it's been fascinating to hear the experiences and how much they resonate with my own experience. Yes, not having, not being totally controlled. Yes, having great experience in the Institute, but also being able to, to, to roam freely and, you know, go out different ways and come up with things that you never thought you were going to study just because we had the time and the, and the cash to spend relaxing and having a good time in Madrid. <laughs> so thank you to, to the Gayosma family for what they did for all of us. Okay, so thank you. It, it seems to be that theme of, of having a little bit of money and some time that is not totally constrained by someone else's timetable, but allows you to roam and to make new connections, to meet new people and find different areas of exploration to come through very strongly. As has that lovely idea, I wish I had to organise myself a notebook, but a notebook of all the things that you're going to come back to later, because um, as Professor Stella Dunn said, so many things come back and end up being published as papers or parts of books many years after the actual experience of discovering something in the Institute of um, and that, I think, is, is a really powerful message from everybody. Um, I think the idea of a network and keeping people in touch and sharing uh, experience and the sorts of areas of work that people have engaged in is fantastic. If I know many of you've already got an idea as to how that might happen. Um, and obviously, it needs to be um, resourced in the sense of time, usually, nowadays. It's perfectly possible to do these things electronically, and so people can touch, keep in touch in a way that perhaps wasn't possible. Um, I think the, the point is there are now calendars, and uh, uh, people can find material online is really important, but what's come through again and again is that magic of finding the real thing that you hadn't felt and had in your hand before, the extra that you hadn't known was there in the drawer underneath or on the cupboard next to it and what comes out of that. And I think the, we all need to be um, vocal, if you like, about <coughs> the importance of these opportunities to young scholars, um, and maybe not so young scholars, across 
their lives. Um, we all are constantly looking at ways of supporting things and funding things and so on. But this was a rather special, out of the ordinary, out of the mainstream, with a connection to a, a wonderful institutional base in Spain, is something quite magical, I think. Um, and I think the tradition of Oxford um, fitting even just to a few of the talks today, um, you know, this portrait was painted by Crosby, who painted a picture of the first master of my own college. Um, Marion was talking about having been appointed to a position uh, when Mark Jones was director of the uh, BNA. I think it was my successor at my own college. It is impossible to get people together um, with with connections and history and shared interest in Oxford and not find more than you expected, more points of, of touching and contact. Uh, absolutely. If it's 73, normally it's about two and a half years. <laughs> um, so this is a wonderful opportunity for people to get together and share their knowledge and their contacts and to renew friendships and remind one another of how important something is. And um, I hope that the family feel that it has really underscored the importance of what was done a hundred years ago to create these opportunities for people. And I hope very much that those of you who are able to find your way to Pembroke, very beautiful college and not very far away, will enjoy carrying on the conversation uh, over drinks this, this evening. Um, but I'm also sure that the most important thing you would all want me to do is convey our thanks to the um, the dedicated whirlwind, which is Marina Perisiatos, um, without whom this simply wouldn't have happened. So I think we should thank her and all our speakers in a normal way. Thank you.